You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Siempre la afición se estremece con pasión cuando quedas entre todos campeón y se ve frente al balón a un equipo de verdad esta tarde de amor. Hello everyone, welcome back to Partido Partido Podcast, the English speaking podcast about all things Atleti. Uh, we have a very special episode uh, today as we have uh, a special guest with us. Uh, please welcome Neil. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Neil. Yeah, great to be here, mate. Couldn't be more excited. We're very glad to have you on. And uh, as always, Emmanuel is here with me. Uh, how are you doing, Emmanuel? Well, I'm doing great. Aleti won against Milan, so I'm all smiles. Brilliant. So, uh, having just talked about uh, Atleti's win against Milan, can you please uh, give us your thoughts about that game? Well, it was another poor performance from Aleti, like the game against Alaves. I think Alaves' problem this season has been structural. That means the team are attacking poorly, the shape in possession is bad, and same out of possession. In the game against Milan, I think we were outplayed for, 20, for the first 25 minutes. And Casey's red card was like a way for us to get back into the game. And watching the game over and over, I took notice that both of Casey's fouls were on Lorente, and that was because he was in charge of man-marking Lorente and preventing Lorente from making those runs or linking up with Trippier and make a run in behind to receive the pass. So that was how his record came about. Apart from that, when we, in the first half, we were, not really, we were really poor. We lacked that cutting edge in the final, as it's been a season. Basically, that first half was, or the first 60 minutes of that game, where 
similar or the same thing to the game against Alaves or to the game against Getafe before the red card. I think it's been something we have been seeing this season. I think Aleti are attacking poorly. That means they are shaped in position. They don't really... It's really bad in such a way that it's difficult to break down opponents. And as a result, they are liable to counter-attacks. Um, today, I just found a new word called the rest defense. And it's talking about how a team is in possession and the players are, they are players who are wary of opposition straight on the counter. But I literally don't take that into consideration. In the game against Milan, there were three occasions in the first half, inside the first 25 minutes, which Milan had counter-attacks. With the first being three quarters of the players were on the right-hand side and Suarez, Linko, poor, and Milan had a straight run, just a single pass, and they are already behind Aleti's defense. Same for the Oblak save from Ribic. I mean, Cholo has to organize us. I think we are attacking poorly, which is affecting us defensively, and we're also defending poorly, which is affecting us, affecting us offensively. That means we, our structure of the ball is not good in such a way that when we win back the ball, we can attack the opponent effectively. And on the ball, our structure is poor in such a way that when we lose the ball, we are easily counter-attacking against us. I think the only games that we have had a better structure is the second half against Espanyol and the first half against Villarreal. So I think that's something Chulo will have to organize arrange because it is really alarming and we talk about the team not doing well. I think it's down to the structure. You have players running into opposition like Griezmann coming to the space in which Lorente has to attack. So I think there are so many things in which we have to adjust. But given that this is the first month and we are fought in the league, we have four points in a very tough group. Well, I will take that every day. But I think we all know that we can't keep on playing like this and getting the result because the game against Alaves was just the that answer to the question like how for how long will it keep on playing poorly and getting results? Yeah, I mean, uh, the less we talk about the Alaves game, the better. Uh, it was just a dreadful game from start to finish. Uh, Atleti had absolutely no answers. Uh, and uh, they just kind of uh, threw the ball into the box and hoped for the best uh, with high balls and... Uh, uh, it never really worked out uh, since uh, Alavis, uh, the Alavis defenders uh, had a brilliant game and uh, they're you know, known for being very physical. Uh, now, in the second half against AC Milan, uh, Simeone threw all his offensive cards and uh, we did see quite the improvement, uh, but uh, it really uh, it, it took us until the 85, 85th minute uh, to find the, the equalizer, and then uh, a an, a controversial call, let's call it that, uh, for the penalty, and uh, Suarez was the one uh, to bury it. Uh, now, out of the players that were stopped on, uh, DePaul, Felix, and Lamar, I think uh, we can say were the the game changers. Uh, who, in your opinion, was uh, the biggest game uh, changer uh, out of those? Um, I would say it's Lema because Cholo train on all those attackers without Lema. I don't think we see any change, even with the Paul and Felix on the pitch. I think with those attackers on the pitch, when Le- before Lema came on, we were seeing a little bit of players coming together, and they I'm, I'm trying to say that the the movement of the ball wasn't great. But you have Lema on the pitch; he's very mobile. I mean, I mean, he gives the pass and he's mobile. I mean. He makes his, his, his appearance on the field affects the, the performance of everyone on that pitch. For example, 
he plays one two with Felix, plays same with Griezmann, plays same with Lorente. He is mobile and he's controlling the rhythm and the tempo of the game. Without him in that game, to be honest, I don't think we even equalize because in the first half we had him also and in playing in the back four with him also as the left back we have a little bit of redundancy with him and Carrasco on the right because Carrasco is approaching expecting him also to make an overlapping run or maybe pull a defender or he plays a pass but him also is waiting for the ball to fit waiting for him to pass the ball so it was really bad but when Lodi came on in the second half he made so many runs in behind him in that defense. and similar thing to the game against Alexi Klopp, Milan were concentrating on the track in which Alexi has on the right with Lorente, and that gave Lodi a lot of space. But the good thing against Milan as compared to Alexi Klopp was that Lodi made the most of those spaces he had. His deliveries were better, not very good. His decision-making was good. So I think without Lemar, we, we, we wouldn't have seen Alexi do that well because he is the one who accelerates the game, slows down the game. I think in Spanish, they call pausa. Without him, we don't really see that movement of those players because having all of those attackers without someone to make them mobile or I would say control them is not really so Lemar is my game changer uh, and yeah Lemar definitely was uh, one of the best players uh, on the pitch um, he, his uh, uh, long ball over the top uh, to, to find Lodi uh, who uh, assisted uh, Griezmann's uh, Griezmann's goal, uh, a very nice volley. Uh, let's say a, a vintage uh, Griezmann finish. Uh, uh, we we said Felix as well had a, a brilliant game. Uh, now, Lamar, do you think he's uh, the solution for Atletico's troubles? Like he he always seems to change everything when he comes on. Well, I think Mourobidun tweeted after the game that Lamar was the missing piece, and I agree with him on that because. Without Lemar, like I said, we wouldn't have come back. He, even against Milan, you see his movement on and on the ball. And he is so important to the team, in which I'll put his importance on the same level as that of Koki, um, Koki, Josema, and Oblak, because he controls everything in the opposition third. He causes unrest by going at taking on players, going direct with them. His movement is what affects the opposition defense. I mean, Lema is really that missing piece because I feel like I let him play like they did against Espanol in the first half with Suarez, Griezmann, Korea, or Felix. And we do, but with Lema, we have that person that links up everybody in the pitch. He controls everything. They kind of, at the moment, help the team with his passes. But with Lema, we have somebody who is able to make the team. I think I will call him, I will say Alex Iniesta in such a way, the way he's able to control the tempo or the rhythm of the game in the offensive offensive third. So I think he is the solution to Alex's current problem. And in my opinion, Cholo should grind out what he can for his players for ahead of the next class. Because I think this is the last international break, and after that, we can then have the team stay together for a longer period of time. But at the moment, I don't think there is a best Atleti starting eleven without Thomas Lema. Is that important? Brilliant. Uh, now, Neil, uh, just uh, a quick question about uh, Atletico. Uh, you have uh, followed uh, their games so far this season. 
uh, from an outsider's uh, perspective, uh, what do you think is the reason behind their struggles? Uh, like, what, what is their problem? You know, I've watched Athleti um, a few times this season as well as last. Last season, up until January, they were practically unstoppable. I think um, 50 points in 19 games or so. But when I watched them, there was always a sense of, yeah, this side is overperforming. That's not to say they were playing badly. They were playing very good football, very solid um, at the back. But it did seem like um, they were overperforming. And part of that, towards the end of the season, came down to, well, just a hit of reality. Um, and the underperformance, to be fair, started from last season. And, and what I've seen from them this season, still very early into the season. Um, however, everything just seems to be very slow and stagnant and there's a lot of mixing and matching with the systems and the formation. Um, I still think they're a great side. They have so much depth. I think um, probably the strongest side, the strongest squad in La Liga. Um, but I think it's just going to take them a while to get gelling and to get used to um, the addition of the likes of Griezmann and Rodrigo de Paul. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it definitely, like, uh, we can trust Simeone to find uh, a solution to... Uh, you know, link the, uh, to link those players and uh, find the best recipe for uh, for the team's success. Uh, it's just uh, the the defining the defining thing uh, for uh, Atletico's season and how successful it will be will be how uh, how long it will take him uh, in order to find uh, that uh, perfect uh, match uh, in the starting lineup. Um, so. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about uh, another struggling team. Um, what's Barcelona's form uh, like coming into this game? Not very good, to say uh, the least. We have been very inconsistent this season. Um, inconsistently bad would be the better analogy. Um, I thought the Levante game could have changed things, but you know you can't take that into account because Levante has been absolutely horrible this season. Um, Ronald Koeman doesn't know his best formation. He doesn't know his best starting 11. Obviously, the injuries don't help, and I'm not going to blame Koeman for everything. But at the end of the day, um, I think that accountability is the number one factor over here, and Ronald Koeman refuses to do so. After every game, you will come out and you hear him say, you know, our squad isn't good enough. We're playing with youngsters and and all these key players are missing, which is not really true because the only two players that are actually missing are Aguero and Dembele, who have been injured for ages. So I do not like what I'm seeing. I think that it's a complete mess. And uh, when you watch Barcelona in the pitch, you don't know what you're going to get from them. But most of the time, it's not very good. And that is a huge issue. Uh, I mean, life uh, after Lionel Messi is, was definitely, uh, was always going to be difficult. And uh, uh, they did, didn't really prepare very well. I mean, uh, up until uh, the last uh, few, uh, few weeks of the, uh, of the uh, transfer window, he was uh, set to renew his contract, but then uh, the, all the mess happened with La Liga. Uh, but uh, there has been, uh, let's say, a glimpse uh, of hope uh, for Barcelona recently uh, with the rise of some uh, youngsters, uh, and those are Araujo, uh, uh, Gavi, and 
the return of Ansu Fati from uh, injury. Uh, so, uh, how high are your hopes in those youngsters, and do you think they can be, uh, let's say, the new guard uh, to guide uh, Barcelona to glory? Yeah, so I think this also is, in a way, linked to the horrible management that Bartomeu and his, and his board um, underwent for so many years. Barcelona did not prepare for the future. All the investments the club made was very, very um, short-term, and most of them didn't work out. The only ones that worked out were the long-term investments. You saw Pedri coming in, and look what he's turned out to be. You saw Araujo coming in. And he surpassed all the expectations. Um, Messi leaving was always going to be a very, very big hit for this club because I think Messi was so good that he ended up covering so many of the cracks. And he propelled us to play a brand of football that without him wasn't possible. Now, there was this argument that, you know, when Messi leaves, Barcelona will become more of a team and um, they'll be more cohesive. But so far, that hasn't happened. As you've said, the youngsters are definitely a very, very big plus. You have Gavi, you have Nico Gonzalez, you have Eric Garcia, who I don't want to mention right now. You have Araujo, Minguesa, and obviously Fati and um, Pedri. Um, now that Barcelona don't have money, um, I guess the only option is to count on the youth. And, and that's a pretty good option, you know. I, I think that these youngsters, they have it in them. They've been taught the Barca way. From the very beginning, they've been within um, the dynamics of this club in La Masia for, for as long as they can remember. And um, there is hope. I've always said the Barcelona squad has a lot of potential. They might not be, you know, the best of the best right now, but under the correct management and um, skills, a manager that understands their skills and how to deploy them, I think um, it can rise to the occasion and thrive. We've already seen Gavi, who's 17, whether you agree with the decision or not, who's been pulled up to the Spanish national team. Um, so, yeah, I'm very optimistic for the future, but short term, definitely um, more pessimistic than optimistic. Mm. Uh, so you have talked, uh, you have said that uh, uh, those players under the correct ma management uh, can uh, take their game to the uh, next level. Uh, now, uh, at uh, Barcelona have been linked uh, to quite a few managers uh, recently uh, to replace Ronald Koeman. Uh, out of the ones you've seen, uh, which one is your preferred option? And uh, let's uh, ignore them. Uh, and uh, just uh, in general, who uh, do you think is the best fit uh, to replace Koeman? Um, you know, my, my idea candidate has been my ideal candidate ever since Luis Enrique was fired um, five years ago you know so my ideal candidate would be Marcelo Gallardo um, such a such a huge fan of his game I think that he kind of gives us the best of both worlds you have his um, dynamism and his style of football you know attacking football possession-based football which Barca fans would resonate with Javi but their counterpoint, the board's counterpoint to hiring Javi, is that he is inexperienced. Gallardo is not. Um, Laporta prefers Roberto Martinez because of his experience. Now, when you look at Gallardo, he is one of the most successful and has one of the best CD, CDs in South American football. So he gives you the best of experience as well as that style that you resonate with Barcelona. Um, 
I think that he is a candidate. I've heard reports that Barcelona are considering him. And for me, um, he would be um, my number one choice. Uh, they will have to wait until January uh, to get him. Uh, I've yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Emmanuel, uh, out of uh, everything we have said about Barcelona, what what are your thoughts about uh, their season so far? And uh, you know, what what are your expectations for them? Like Neil just said, Barca have a very good squad, but. They need cohesion. That means they need someone to put all of those players together and they play better. Well, he also talked about the fact that with Messi leaving, that's made visible so many of those cracks that he was covering. So I think a change in manager is the way forward. But Barcelona will have to be wise in how they do it. Because my opinion, maybe Coma now before the athletic game make make things to be worse, given that there will be a lot of attraction around the team that's unwanted attention excuse me and so i'm also obviously maybe i'm i'm saying this maybe with a little bit of bias giving a little bass little play Barca, and i want him to be there maybe us winning but sucking him after just before the international break maybe in appointing an interim manager is very good because you give him two weeks to maybe work with those players who are there and like Neil said the players from la Masia are really great i think they have the best academy in the world because I do a little bit of scouting and I see you have Cuenca is doing an excellent job. You have Moncho at Granada, even though Granada is struggling, but you see the potential is there. So to be honest, they don't realize that in the Premier in the La Liga this weekend. Is it African? Can't really pronounce his name. He's also from La Masia. So with them investing in the youth is the way forward, in my opinion. And to be very honest, bringing in the youth. This season, which I will, or in the next this season and maybe next, which I call the transition season for them, is very important. Given that those players, for example, you have Nico Gonzalez, maybe at the moment learning from Busquets, and bringing in those players at the moment is very crucial. Given that the likes of Piquet, Busquets, and Alba are going out and bringing in those players, they have a little bit of chemistry learning from those experienced guys. And in the long or maybe the three season time, they can then buy one or two experienced players. And add to that because to be very honest, the way Kuman is handling things at Barcelona, it is really bad because they are really a mess. And I believe that despite the fact they are struggling with if with a better manager, they will do more. Like they will not lose 3-0 against Benfica. Benfica really played well and they were great. But with a better manager, they will be able to do more and even compete for the league. But if Kuman is to stay to the end of the season, to be honest, well. I know people are saying top four, but I don't see them finishing in top four. Given I don't expect Villarreal to be this unlucky, the unlucky road is going to stop at some point. I expect Sevilla to maybe get their shit together. So, to be honest, the Barcelona have a good squad, in my opinion. The depth is not great, that is true. But if they can use this opportunity and maybe sacrifice, well, I know you know there are some coolers who have been, well, I call spoiled brats, have been used to trophies, but sacrifice the next two seasons. And look for an idea. He talked about Galado. Galado coming in is very great. I was discussing with Jeremy today on in Twitter, and he was talking about how Valverde's 17-18 Barcelona were so good because they were so dynamic. And I'm looking at Galado, and I'm seeing that dynamism. Well, he's a possession-based manager, that's right, but he is not also afraid to change his approach or tweak his approach, given the approach of a game. That means his dynamism as a coach is what has brought him success, in my opinion. In South America, I don't know what 
too often, but I think that's the reason. So I think he's similar to Valverde, not in the terms of playing style, but like Neil said, there's a, a position-based type, Barcelona, someone who is dynamic. Because I think one of the things that's killing Barcelona now is that um, Croissimo, I think that they want to have a team that plays like Pep Barcelona or the rest. I think football is involving, and at the moment, they need a coach that needs to bring them together. Well, maybe play the position, play the position based football, and but they need someone who is going to come in with less expectations, join the team together, build a team that in three or four or five years' time is going to be the Barcelona we all knew they were. Brilliant. Uh, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, actually, I completely agree with everything um, you just said. Um, as you said, the squad is very, very young. You know, you have players who are still teenagers and they're regulars in the first team. Then you have Ronald Rajo, who's just 21, who's leading the back line. Um, I don't expect very, very immediate results, regardless of who the manager is. But under the right guidance, as I alluded to before, um, in two or three years' time, if we also manage the finances correctly, I could see um, this being a competent team once again. Brilliant. Uh, now, moving on, uh, back to uh, Atleti's game. Uh, we saw uh, Joao Felix. Uh, he had an outstanding performance uh, in attack, and uh, uh, we kind of saw that spark uh, in him that we haven't seen really uh, since uh, November of last year, uh, since his ankle injury. Uh, now, Emmanuel, do you think this is the start of his return to form? Is this his season? Well, I think I wouldn't, I'm not really taking a lot of positives from Joao's performance against 10 man Milan. Well, that was a very good performance for him, but it was against Denman Milan. Given that he had space to explore, let me not say explore, but he had room to have the ball and do those things he, he was on without caring much about defensively. But I think, like we have discussed earlier on in the podcast, in previous podcasts, we talked about the fact that the reason why Joao tried from August to November or December was because the system was created in such a way that he has that role to drop a little bit deep, receive the ball between the lines and then attack opposition. So creating that type of scenario for Dua again is what is going to make him thrive. But at the moment, that performance against Milan is something that he's going to hold on to. And obviously against Barcelona, looking and saying, if I perform well against them, then I have a long run with him. Because at the moment, him and him, Griezmann and Korea are fighting for one position, in my opinion, because as we just discussed, Lema is so important that we can't bench him. So, I think, yes, I'm happy with the performance and I'm expecting more, but I'm not raising my hopes too high, but I believe when he's fit and in the right conditions, I think he can progress. Like we talked about this before, or I've argued about it, it's about Joao having more game time to progress. I think each season he has been progressing and this season he has started slowly and that was down to his injury, but as time goes on, I believe he can be that player he was from August to December last season. But with time, I think he's going to be that bet. Taking from the performance against Milan and drawing to conclusion is not really good because he had a lot of time on the board. Milan were not pressing him. So it is hard to judge. But against Barcelona this weekend, he's going to he performs like that. And yes, then we start saying, wow, he's back or oh, his his positive performances are on the way. Uh, now, uh, Atleti definitely, uh, like, uh, they capitalized on 
the uh, referee decisions uh, that uh, took place in the Milan game. Uh, do you think uh, the Frank Cassier's uh, uh, red, red card, do you think it was deserved? Uh, yes, I think it was a second you look on a red card. Like I said, he was in charge of Mamakin, Lorente, and well, I think the first one was deserved. The second one, some will say it's a little bit harsh, but I think he stepped on Lorente's uncle, and that is once a second yellow. So I think it was deserved, and it was sent rightly sent, sent off, in my opinion. Uh, now, uh, the first yellow, I think uh, it was definitely a yellow, but uh, the second one, uh, it felt a little unintentional uh, since he was going for the ball and uh, it just uh, so happened that uh, Yorente moved uh, uh, his legs uh, towards uh, in, in, in that direction. So uh, I think uh, it was a harsh uh, decision and uh, uh, Atletico uh, can't count uh, themselves lucky with, with the, with the uh, decisions, uh, the uh, ref Free, uh, took uh, Shakir uh, in in that game, um, but uh, I mean uh, they they'll take it. I'm sure four points uh, in in a very tough group uh, any day of the week. Oh yeah, I think we'll take that. But Ata, you said he went for the ball, but what happens? He went for the ball, but he didn't have the ball. He had the man. So you look at even was the danger. I think the same thing. A player jump, a player leaps to hit the ball, and what happens? Unintentionally, he swing his arm, he hit a player face, and he say yellow. So I think the rules are changing, and it was yellow. I don't think it was harsh. That's the rule, and second yellow was sent off. I mean, you, you can say Cassia uh, is. Uh, I mean, it was a bit idiotic to put himself in that position in the first place, uh, having been uh, booked uh, just a few minutes uh, before. Uh, now, uh, for uh, uh, talking about Felix. Uh, we, we uh, Neil, uh, I think uh, quite a few people have said uh, that his current role uh, has uh, a few similarities uh, with Lionel Messi uh, in terms of uh, dropping deep and then trying to find uh, cracks uh, in, in the defense and, uh, and uh, playing through balls uh, to the attackers. Uh, now, uh, we saw the uh, connection between Griezmann and Messi. Do you think uh, that's something that could happen uh, between Felix and Griezmann? I was a bit worried for Felix when Atleti first signed Griezmann because Griezmann also likes dropping deep and, you know, moving around, having a bit of freedom, creating. And if that is to be Felix's role in this Atletico side, I think it's got to be either um, Felix or Griezmann. I suppose you could kind of play Felix through the left maybe a little bit and Griezmann either in the middle or on the right, but, you know, that's not what um, Simeone does. So I'm not very optimistic about this Griezmann-Felix partnership, but I do think that Felix is going to be a very, very good player for Atleti. He's very young. You know, I know he was signed for a lot of money and, and the expectations are very, very high, but it takes time, whether you sign for $100 million or $20 million, each player needs their time, and, and he's definitely one for the future. Griezmann is not. So um, whilst I am not optimistic about this partnership that could be made, I hope I'm wrong, but I do see um, Felix being a great player in any, way, any case. Very well said uh, about uh, that uh, uh, investment. Uh, he was definitely signed uh, uh, for the uh, long term. Like, uh, uh, Gil Marin talked about him as the... 
the hope for the future, the one uh, who, who uh, Atletico will try uh, to build uh, their team around uh, for uh, the next few years. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. And uh, uh, like I said, very high expectations, but you got to have patience uh, with the youngsters. Uh, Emmanuel, what, what do you think about that? Well, for the Griezmann Felix partnership, like I, I think Neri said, he's not optimistic. I myself am not. The only way I can be optimistic about that partnership is if Griezmann can maybe focus on playing centrally, having that role as. Oh, mate. We were asking Griezmann to play centrally in Barcelona for two years, but he just can't do it. Well, in the Atletico system, well, I think he can, and there are possibilities of him doing that because at the moment, Suarez's first touch, link up, is just a mess. So maybe asking Griezmann to maybe do those things. Like you said, drop deep. I think Suarez have been dropping deep in recent games, but what the thing we have not seen is that Griezmann doesn't fill into that place. I think that was the case in the Alaves game. So maybe if you have, say, Griezmann dropping deep well, and Felix a little bit sacrificing and maybe covering into that space because I think that's something Korea would be perfect at. But the thing is that it is very difficult to see both of them thriving in the same team, under the same, in the, and looking for a system to accommodate both is very difficult. So I'm not really optimistic about that. But if it's for Griezmann and someone else, or maybe... Felix and someone else, it is very feasible. But as for Griezmann, Felix, well, I'm not a tactical expert, but I don't really see how that goes because at the moment, I think that brings more damage to the team. I just talk about the team being poor in at shape attacking, like rest defense. I think that is the same thing that is going to happen if those two play. I'm seeing something that happened against Espanyol in the first half. And if those two playing, we see a repetition of that. To be honest, Griezmann starting is causing more damage to the team than him not starting. I know he scored against Milan, which is very great, but I, I'm not really a fan of him starting. I think I said this, there is no, for Griezmann to get into the team, I think he has to work his way into the team and when he is prepared, that means he's into playing, then yes, having that chemistry because you see him doing step overs or maybe open dodging the ball for it to come but at the end that means the chemistry is not yet there. they have to he has to form that chemistry before i see him starting regularly because to be honest he's really killing the team so i against barcelona well i know i'm going we have to get there but i would like to see the reality against Villarreal. that same 11 i would like to see that 11 against barcelona um, I mean, you just mentioned the uh, lineup. So, uh, Neil, uh, what, what, what's the expected uh, lineup for Barcelona uh, against Atletico? The expected lineup? You know, with Ronald Koeman at this point, I have no idea. We played well against Levante, probably our best game of the season. And it was like um, a 4 2 3 1. Gabby was on the, on the right side providing some width. And and I was very happy. Everyone was very optimistic with that. And we thought Koeman would take that into um, the Benfica game. But then I look at the, the starting lineup against Benfica, and he goes back to his system that he deployed against Bayern Munich, probably our worst game of the season. So I'm very confused. It could be one of two things. Um, either your classic 4-3-3 with um, Frankie de Jong, Busquets, and Pedri is um, the three midfielders. You have Ronald Araujo and either PK or Garcia at the back. And Jordi Alba, if he's fit, I don't think he is. So Dest and either Roberto or Mingessa, I would hope Mingessa on the right. And um, then 
the attack is a bit messed up because Barcelona don't have any fit right wingers. So either you risk um, Yusuf Demir or you play like a diamond with um, Coutinho in behind Memphis Depay and uh, Luke Dion. The other option is playing the three at the back again, um, which I am definitely not a fan of because that would entail deploying Sergio Roberto as a wing back. And, and Roberto just doesn't lack the attacking prowess to provide width for the entire right flank because Luke de Jong isn't going to come wide. Um, Pedri, and de Jong, Pedri and de Jong generally like to make runs inwards and de Jong likes to control a little bit more. So I think that we're going to see um, a forward to back, probably my first um, estimation. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, what do you think uh, the Atletico lineup will be? Well, like I just said, I would like to see a little lineup like it's against Villera. But before going to that and coming to what you just said, I think Frankie De Jong was one of the benefactors of Kuma switching to a back three and I watched the game against Benfica. And despite the fact that Benfica defended in three lines very close to each other and compact, De Jong's runs was into the box. That's into the channels, getting into the box was a means in which Barca, I think, was a way in which Barca were able to unbalance that low block. But because he was so unselfish and Frankie de Jong's, sorry, Frankie de Jong is the one making the runs with the ball and look up with the, with the de Jong's and look de Jong, the striker, he was not. So I think those runs from de Jong was one of the things that made him to prosper from January to the end of the season because he had license in which he could carry the ball ahead and he could make those runs to the channels. But without him, they, they faced difficulty in, in, stop, in stopping that, in breaking that slope. So I'm thinking no matter the strategy Coman goes against, if he wants to win that game, and I'm expecting Aleti to defend compactly, so I'm expecting him to look for a mechanism or maybe a setup in which De Jong can make those runs because him making that run is going to be key for Barcelona in winning that game. And I don't be it what be it Fatsi start or Memphis start, but those the young runs are very Barcelona because you have the players to pick out those. Then now coming to Alex's lineup, and three at the back with Hermoso, Jose Maria centrally and Savish on the right. Then we have Koke in midfield, Lorente and Limar either side of him. Then we have Carrasco as the left back, Chipier as the right. Hopefully he's okay because if he's not fit, then everything changes. Then I attack. I have Su- Suarez. Well, I said Suarez in a hesitant manner because we are going to need him to be at his best. When I mean at his best, not in the box, but with his link up play. And he's not the fastest, but we need him to hold up the ball because I think Barcelona are going to have more of the ball. But I won't be surprised if Aleti dominate the ball. So Suarez and Korea as the front two. So I'm going for a 3-5-2. Hopefully Cholo look at that Villarreal game and the second half against Espanyol before playing against Barcelona because he may play high line or zip block. I don't know. I'm really not sure because Aleti this season so like I'm way changing from one ship to the other. So it's difficult to tell, but I'm hoping that's what Cholo goes for. Because with that, I believe you can hurt Barcelona on the counter. We can keep the ball better and we can defend more compactly. So I'm hoping we go in with that system. And uh, Neil, uh, how likely do you think it is for uh, Luis Suarez 
uh, to score uh, in that game. Uh, it it could be uh, his you know small revenge against Kuman, uh, who uh, I I think it's fair to say it's probably his last game as as a Barcelona manager, isn't it? Very likely, yeah. Um, you know, I have been following Luis Suarez for about ten years now, from for as long as I can remember, actually. And one thing I will say about him is. The man scores goals. You know, he might not be um, good to look at. You know, he might make so many mistakes, so frustrating. And, and I fell into this trap with him at Barcelona. You know, he was so frustrating, um, offering almost nothing off possession, not very good with the link-up play at the end. But he still managed to score 20 goals in his last season. So I would never, ever count Luis Suarez out. Um, I'd probably I'd back him to score a goal um, just to put it in Kuban's face. And yeah, I'd give him a good shot doing that. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, what, what, what's your predicted uh, scoreline for the game? My predicted scoreline for the game. You know, I'm going to sit on the fence and I'm going to go for a one all draw. Um, I do think that Atleti can win the game. I also think that Barcelona can win the game. Both sides not in great form, not playing great football. Um, there's not much to play for. It's still early in the season. I think that we could see a classic, very passive game. And um, it could end up being just, you know, one of those games that finishes all level without too many chances and too much action um, going on in the pitch. So, yeah, 1-1 one, one for me. Uh, that's the safe option, I think. Definitely. <laughs> Emmanuel, what do you think? Well... I will not sit on the fence as near, though I would love to, because I think it's going to be unpredictable. We don't know the Barcelona we are going to see. We don't know the Aleti we are going to see. So I'm going to be very, very biased, and I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for Aleti because I believe, I believe Aleti are going to score first. I'm saying so because I, to be honest, the way I have, I've held on to the points against Villarreal, and against Espanyol in the second half, and first half against Celta Vigo, that is what I'm clinging on to, and that is what is channeling me to say this. I think I need to win 3-1. Like Neil said, we may see a classic game, we may see a passive game. We don't know the type of game we are going to expect, but given that both teams have been poor defensively, I think both sides are going to score. But I think I need to have that extra edge, because like Neil said, Suarez is frustrating to watch. Very true. But he always... Comes at the end. I think that's what we have that they don't have. Cholo said the margins are very tight this season in La Liga. But that finishing, you having the finishing gives you the edge over the position. I think we have that and Barcelona don't have. So that's why I go for 3 1 with Valet. Okay, brilliant. Uh, would you like to add anything, Neil, to that? You know, I really can't criticize that scoreline because Barcelona just got 3 0 to Benfica and we've been horrible all season. Um, we could capitulate and lose by more than 3-1, but there's also enough quality within the side on their day to play some good football. But yeah, I'm not going to go against that 3-1 scoreline. Um, I'm, I'm going to pass on uh, giving my, my own prediction. But uh, I think... I think uh, Emmanuel's. Uh, I need. I think Emmanuel's prediction is more bold uh, as to Atleti scoring three goals in a game than it is to win against Barcelona three-one. So uh, we'll see how that happens. Uh, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us, Neil. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. Anytime. Um, love to come back on sometime as well. Um, and yeah, 
hopefully Barca get the job done. Hopefully Atleti get the job done. But uh, we had a lot of fun chatting with you and uh, uh, looking forward to your return uh, to the podcast in the future. Uh, Emmanuel, uh, thank you so much for joining me as well. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Hopefully Atleti can beat Barcelona again so that I can, in my 10 years time as Atleti, can, I can see Atleti beat Barcelona three times in La Liga. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so, uh, and uh, thank, thank you so much uh, for uh, listening to the, today's episode. Uh, uh, remember, nunca dejas de creer. Uh, see you in the next episode. Ah!